The following podcast is brought to you by the Village Zendo. For more information, visit villagezendo.org. Okay. Hello, everyone. It's nice to see you. I've just spent an entire hour in some kind of Zoom nightmare with my interview and I, I couldn't get it working and uh, so I'm, I've come to you like someone's got like you know mental screwdrivers and pliers <laughs> if it were in that world uh, just trying to get to uh, make something rather simple work uh, so thank you uh, Echo <laughs> and the team here that makes it really simple for me to to look at you and see you all it's great um I think most of us are struggling these days with all the conflicts in the world. Uh, obviously, Israel and Gaza. Also, Ukraine and Russia. And many other difficult regions of the world that we we forget about when we get agitated, triggered. And there are so many views, there are so many false stories uh, that we don't really know uh, what is happening. It can be challenging for us to uh, create in ourselves a calm and loving space to embrace all this suffering that is arising. For us to use a kind of wisdom at this point without jumping uh, into judgment. And uh, actually, uh, here in New York City, the Buddhist Action Coalition, which is a pan-Buddhist group composed of, of many, many different uh, uh, Buddhist groups in the city, are sponsoring a, 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 a large group meditation uh, to meditate on how to end the violence in Israel and Palestine. And that will be this Sunday at Union Square, if you're in town. Uh, from 1 to 2 p.m. And no matter what you're feeling, you know, if you are able to participate in that, uh, I encourage you to do that. And perhaps if you're not, you could do that at home from 1 to 2. Just sit for that hour for the benefit of all those beings and for your own peace of mind and your own remembering peace. Remembering, loving, caring for those who are suffering. So join me on Sunday, whether you are here or from wherever you are. It would be lovely to sit for an hour to end suffering. And here we are, uh, gathered to sit meditation. Uh, I see people from, you know, Central America and Florida and various places that I where I know you are. Uh, and you come probably as I do uh, on Thursday nights and Sundays uh, for to listen to a Dharma talk. I hope you enjoy Dharma talks here at the village Zendo as much as I do. Uh, there's always something, something that sticks. 
something that awakens, something that's sleeping within me. And I'm grateful for that wake up, that resonance that prods me to notice aspects of my life and my practice. I would call my experience of listening to the Dharma talks uh, occasions of intimacy. In the last week, Bokushu and then Seicho, in their Dharma talks, shared concerns about the world right now, the world of Israel, of Gaza, of Ukraine, of Russia, and of ordinary life, the suffering that's just in our ordinary life right now. And they shared with us how we can make use of our Zen practice to bear witness to the suffering. And at the same time, to offer our own healing to ourselves and to others. So these qualities, these expressions that we heard, call to mind again that sense for me of intimacy as a bridge to connect, to realize our relationship to all of life. I've been thinking a lot about intimacy these days. With ourselves, being intimate with oneself is a life's practice. Our teachers, and with the world as it presents itself these days. So naturally, uh, there's some Zen teachings that come to mind the kind that point to the vitality uh, of intimacy as a path of realization, a path of practice. So there's one story I really love about a Zen teacher uh, by the name of Kyosei, and he lived in the uh, 9th and early 10th centuries in China. And he once asked uh, Zen Master Swansha, he said, uh, as a student uh, first entering your monastery, I ask for your instructions on the path of entry. And Swansha said, do you hear the sound of the water flowing downstream over the dam? Kyosi said, yes, I hear it. Swansha said, enter through there. I asked for instructions on the path. Do you hear the sound of water flowing? You know, right here, right now. You hear that? Yeah, I hear that. Enter there. What was he drawing? So Swansha is drawing Kyose's attention to. Listen. Be present. Consider the sounds of right now. What is right now? What is hidden right now? 
What might we miss? If we're so bound up with our ideas of practice, our ideas of our life and our issues, what is that sound? For me, I I think it's a horn on Houston Street. Some of you may be more blessed than I am, but that horn on Houston Street might wake me up too. And at the physical zendo, (laughs) the sounds of a cobblestone alleyway with trucks moving back and forth, that could be the path of entry. A noisy neighbor, a blue jay. You know, when I studied in a mountain center for several years, uh, (laughs) they had these stellar jays with the most irritating sound all summer. (laughs) If that didn't wake us up, I don't know what would. Or maybe it's a cranky dog barking. In the Zen story, we can imagine Kyose caught up on his ideas about the way of how to enter into that quality of mind, that way of being that would liberate him. He was looking for a teaching. Swanshaw gave it to him. I think that's not so different from our experience these days. Here, online, and in the Zendo, and in all kinds of listening situations. We yearn to understand the world, to understand ourselves and our place in the world, and how we can be of use, how we can serve. I mean, what is it we really want from practice? Isn't it to make sense of things? (laughs) Even if we realize that not making sense makes sense? And of course, I think those of us who practice for a while really are asking, what is the path to realization? How can we recognize our own position in the world? Our place in the wholeness of life. How do I fit in? How can I find peace in a way that makes sense? In Zen, that question is often phrased as, how do I enter the way? And then we're always told, it's right here, right now. So ask yourself right now, where you are, how do you enter the way? Today. This being. This life. How? We read about enlightenment, you know, or we hear about it, uh, hear about the fruits of practice. 
And we create a kind of juju, a fantastic idea of what intimacy really is, what insight really is. And that very idea takes us further and further away from our experience of the moment. We began to put these language, thoughts, ideas, theories, right in the way of our direct experience. So Swanshaw's indication, do you hear that sound? Brings Kyose back, drawing him directly into the moment. You know, I mean, if you, as you begin to study um, the old stories, you realize that Kyose took the teaching very seriously because there are many stories of Kyose's teaching where he asks students about different sounds. And the best known of those, the one, one of my favorites is uh, in the Blue Cliff Record where Kyose asks a monk, what's that sound outside the gate? And the monk says, the sound of raindrops. Kyose said, people these days are upside down. They lose themselves and follow after things. The monk said, well, what about you, teacher? Kyose says, I almost don't lose myself. The monk said, what's the meaning of I almost don't lose myself? Kyose sighed <laughs> and said, though it's easy to express oneself, to say the whole thing is difficult. What a great teacher. What a kind teacher. Look at what he's doing here. He engages this monk, asking a, a, a really simple question. What's, hey, what's that sound outside the gate? What's he trying to show this monk? Maybe break through that wall of automaticity we all have, that separation that we employ as a means to order our universe, to ignore the suffering of others sometimes. Is that sound outside the gate the sound of raindrops? The sound of raindrops? Or is it something else? Maybe bop, 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 bop. When we see everything through just this one filter of me and the objects outside of me, we become disconnected not only from everything outside, but also from aspects of our own mind and heart. Those aspects of our own mind and heart that hook up with the whole universe. Through the medium of this moment. It can be illuminating to enter the world we inhabit 
even briefly, to actually be there, be present for it. We use our language, our routine cause and effect language. We can forget and miss that kind of interrelationality that is always present. Our interconnection with everything that is, with the sounds, the rain, with the ground, with the earth, with gravity. And in that way, we dull our senses. To realize that the sound of raindrops is us, allows us to enter raindrop, enter into this moment. Just saying the sound of raindrops misses the opportunity to hear And that's why Kiyosei says, people these days are upside down. They lose themselves and follow after things. And the monk says, well, (laughs) what about you, teacher? And then this tenderest of answers, the tenderest of responses. Kiyosei says, I almost don't lose myself. I almost don't lose myself. Meaning that, that, you know, there is an awareness of the utter relationality of the whole universe, of, of feeling, of letting go of ego, of a self-centered way of using the world, and yet not quite. Almost but not quite. Because also he, Kiyosei, is still right here working with his student, still right here scooping up the raindrops. And so, you know, when we're sitting zazen, we sit still, our eyes down, our thoughts quiet, still not pursuing things. And then we get up and we enter the sentient world where we meet what arises. And hopefully we don't ignore reality. We're not lost in a dream. There's much to meet in the world, to witness, much to serve. When witnessing suffering, when called to caring, to caretaking, to social action, for those you know, and for those you don't yet know. For me, that's the subtlety, that's the sweetness of the almost that Kyosei offers. Yet that's not quite the end of it. Because the monk comes back and says, what is the meaning of I almost don't lose myself. So here we have this, this 
this profound statement. And but what does that mean? Right? We're back step one. Kyose sighs and says, though it's easy to express oneself, to express the whole thing is difficult. Though it's easy to express oneself, to express the whole thing is difficult. It is inexpressible. And it is urgent for you and for me. We live with objects, with raindrops and climate change, warring peoples and suffering. And our own sense of a separate self And we need to take time to open our hearts and enter into that realm where we stop the naming and the knowing, the difference, where we place our attention on everything or on nothing, on our breath, still at the center, brilliant and full where everything is here now. I think such a cast of mind is what we need these days. We're all suffering. We're all talking an awful lot. (laughs) And we're doing our best to support what we think is right. But let us also be present to the wholeness. This is what Kyose was teaching brilliant and full, almost, don't lose the day's suffering, almost, don't lose the day's offering, almost, don't lose yourself. Mm 